What is up, Leafs fam? This is the Leafs Convo. I am Norman James. There's so much to talk about right now regarding the Maple Leafs, even though their season has ended. Mike Babcock in the desert trying to reach out to Austin Matthews. Is that the case? Perhaps there's something more to it, something less impactful, right? Mike Augello wants to talk about that. Plus, we have been following the Marlies as they journey towards a Calder Cup championship. And right now, they are flying. Four straight wins, a 7-1 shellacking of the crunch. Now, one game away from getting into the Calder Cup conference finals. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Brad Marchand licking people. John Tavares, is he going to come to Toronto? And the Hunter Dubas thing. Can't these two just work together? Mike Augello, ready to go. So am I. So are you. The Leafs combo starts now. And here is our friend, the one and only Mike Augello. Hello, Michael. How are you? Hello, Norman. Uh, well, a lot of traveling this weekend, covering the Marlies in Toronto and in Syracuse. Uh, but positive uh, results for the fans of the Maple Leafs and the Marlies because they're up 3 nothing on uh, Syracuse. What do you make of that, Mike? Uh, they had a little bit of a hiccup there. Um, Utica coming back to tie that first round series at two. The Marlies just getting it done to move forward. And now they've won three straight over the crunch and look not only in command of that series, but look to be in good position to to make a run for this Calder Cup. Well, I mean, they were the most successful team on the road during the regular season in the AHL. I think they had 30 victories. So, you know, success away from Rico Coliseum has been something they've been used to. And it was a little bit of a shock when they lost the first, those two road games, the Utica, but Thatcher Demko, who is probably the Vancouver Canucks, a future goaltender really stood on his head in those two games. So that could be the explanation, but you know, in this series, um, I mean, they won a sort of a seesaw battle in game one, game two could have gone either way. Um, It was, you know, double overtime, over 100 shots between the two teams, and a, Freddy, a fortunate Freddie Gauthier goal in double OT got them the victory. And But yesterday in game three, it was a systematic, dominant demolishing. And yeah. that's, something, that's something that's unusual because they lost in that building four times last year to Syracuse and losing in seven games. And of the 10 games that they played in the playoffs, that was the first one where the team that was on the road won. Do you think that double overtime loss broke Syracuse's spirits? We've seen, we've seen this scenario play out in sports. Let's take the Raptors and, and the Cavaliers. Game one in Toronto, the Raptors led that entire game, and then down the stretch, LeBron and the Cavs took over, and they won by a point. And, and it just seemed to change the complexion of the thought process and the expectation of the, of the series, and we know that uh, – the Cavs are about to sweep the Raptors. And in this case, you know, the crunch are thinking, well, there are some vulnerabilities that Toronto has shown and you go into double overtime. If the crunch scores, perhaps that sets the Marlies back a little bit in the way they believe in themselves, but Freddie Goche gets it done. And then it seems as if the, uh, the Marlies have really found their groove and perhaps that could just be a, a catapulting of, of the, of, of, you know, the Marlies into a, into a position where they just feel like they're invincible. Well, I, I think it's a number of things. First of all, Syracuse didn't get the re- replenishment of the roster that uh, the, the, the Marlies did from the Leafs. They got Janssen and sure. Dermott back. 
Um, this year, you know, Tampa Bay's in the Eastern Conference Final, and you know, guys like Yanni Gord and Corey Conacher and Jake Dotchin and Slater Cuckoo, all these players, you know, they were in the Syracuse lineup last year, and uh, you know, they're, they're not as deep. They have some really good players. They're a very quick team, but they're not as deep, and you know, some injuries uh, have kept some of the better players out. But uh, I, th- I think that you know, essentially, the Marlies are a better team this year, and they, you know. They really showed it yesterday. I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's 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 nice when the AHL team wins, mm-hmm. but there are young players on this team that within a couple years or even maybe even next year will be on the Leafs. So it's something that will have a, a, a positive effect for the, for the big club going forward. This is the Leafs Convo. If you are a returnee, thank you very much for coming back. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Please stay a while. We record through anchor it ends up on itunes google play and then it lands on youtube where all the real magic and action happens so thank you very much for your support and again we have we welcome you thank you so much for listening to this podcast norman james mike godjello partnership and leafs talk for well over a decade now michael is this another is this the 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 roster that the marlies are dominating with and, and impressing with is this um Another example of what Kyle Dubas can do with obviously restrictions with young players, with trying to fill holes, uh, avec, uh, you know, journeyman here and there, or perhaps is this an opportunity for, for Kyle Dubas to say, look, this is what I can construct at the AHL level, knowing what I have down here and what we, what the Leafs roster currently presents itself with, give me the opportunity to, to run the big franchise and um, you're going to see more success. Well, I, I think it's it's a sort of a mixture here. I mean, it's you definitely see the young players that were drafted by Mark Hunter. You know, the the Grunstroms, the uh, you know the Andreas. Well, Andreas Janssen was, I believe, a a, a, a Dave Nonis pick. Uh, so was Pierre Engvall. But uh, you know, some of the young players, the Travis Dermots, uh, that were Hunter drafts draft selections, but you do see, you know, AHL veterans being brought in to help, to help the team along. Mm -hmm. You do see uh, guys who are free agents, like a, like a Mason Marchment, the son, the son of Brian Marchment, who was just signed to an AHL contract a couple years ago. He has worked with Barb Underhill. He's improved his skating. He's big, he's tough. Um, He's actually scored some goals. And I think he played with the Erie Otters in in the OHL. He did, he did. he's, he's He's become a he's become a more well-rounded player, and actually the type of player that the Leafs don't have a lot of, which are bigger, tougher, grittier players. And I don't know whether he'll ever make the NHL, but he earned himself an entry-level deal. He's an effective player. He's been a disturber in the playoffs. He scored a, a goal here or there. He's just been a, he's been an effective guy for for the Marlies, and I think that's the talent recognition that that Kyle Dubas has brought uh, to the organization. Don't you think a lot of Kyle Dubas' supporters would look at a Mason Marshman and think he's garbage and their Messiah thinks otherwise? Yeah. I mean, teams cannot be one type of player. They can't, they cannot be all skill. They cannot be all toughness. They have to have enough of uh, enough of one aspect and some of the other to make mm-hmm. the team be successful. I, I, I can't remember who it was, but, uh, Oh, I, I somebody was talking about, uh, 
think it was Brian Burke was talking about Bill Torrey, the late Bill Torrey, and he was asking him, you know, give me some advice about how to be, how to be a general manager. And he essentially said, you have to have, you know, a team that is capable of playing, you know, speedy one round, tough another round against a team that, that has great penalty killing or power play. In other words, a team that's diverse and a team that can do anything. And I think that, you know, I think any good general manager in this league has to follow that. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, Kyle Dubas is not shutting himself and saying, well, we can only have guys who are pro analytical Mm -hmm. and skill players. You have to have a well-rounded team to be able to win. Truculence, pugnacity. What else do we have in there? Testosterone. Yes. Testosterone. This is the Leafs combo. Norman James. Mike Agello. So a report through Sportsnet suggests, indicates through sources that Mark Hunter is the front runner for the Leafs GM position. I don't know. We have to take these reports with a grain of salt. For, for, those, who, for, for those who are all pro Kyle Dubas, I, I, I'm with you. I think you're right. But please don't close your eyes to what Mark Hunter has done in his hockey career. Mark Hunter would be hired by any general, any, any NHL team to run whatever he wants. The guy is, I mean, he's a hockey savant. He's a hockey master. He understands what he's doing, and he could probably be a really effective general manager for the Maple Leafs. That said, I'm just not so sure he wants to deal with the social responsibilities of, of running that, that hockey franchise, whereas Kyle Dubas, uh, he's well-positioned to do that because he's well-spoken. He's, he smiles. He's a good-looking chap. He's got the, the resume that's in process and that's it, it, and, um, that continues to be built that, with the Marlies and, and some of the things that he's already accomplished. <laughs> Again, I go back to the, the idea of a two-headed monster here, but mm-hmm. we don't know the dynamic between Dubas and, and, and Hunter. And uh, maybe Hunts, as they call him, doesn't necessarily want to take his marching orders from a guy who's 25, 30 years younger. Then again, I don't know if there's an ego thing there and there might be some money at play and Mark's just like, I'll throw a couple, uh, six, seven more digits on, onto the contract and I'll stick around and do what you want. Uh, give me a comment on that, Mike. We, we don't want to go too, too long, but there's obviously the uh, Mike Babcock, Arizona stuff and maybe a few other things. Yeah. Well, it, it was confusing because the, the report uh, from sports that came as uh, from the uh, Saturday Night Headlines with Nick Kiprios and, and Elliot Friedman and Kiprios didn't say that Hunter was the front runner. Okay. What he said was, it, and it was it was Sportsnet's error when they when they tweeted out the the link to the the video of that segment. He said that executives around the league believe that Hunter has the the better resume based okay. on what you just said, his long experience in the OHL with London, and you know he's been a coach in the AHL. I mean he's he's got a great resume, and I and I agree with that, but. Um, and Kiprios even came out after Sportsnet had posted it on Twitter and says, that's not what I said. And he clarified, he says, right okay. now there is no front runner. But, you know, the, what what's going on here is you've got two qualified play of uh, two qualified sure. people for the same position. Um, according to Elliot Friedman, uh, Hunter and Shanahan met uh, on the weekend. Uh, I'm assuming that they will. They will. He, he. If he hasn't met with Kyle Dubas already, <clears throat> he will meet with him. I know Dubas was in Syracuse yesterday because I saw him uh, after the game, uh, after the victory. So I mean, this is a process. It doesn't sound like it's going to be something that's going to be announced in the next couple of days. It probably is going to take a couple of weeks. And you know, I continue to think that there is the possibility of somebody being brought into the management group with experience. I know that uh, you know the name of. 
uh, Chuck Fletcher was mentioned, and even the name of Ron Francis, who apparently has some connection with uh, Dubas going back to, I guess, his roots were at Sault Ste. Marie and uh, and Dubas, obviously, his roots were at Sault Ste. Marie as well. So, um, so I think they'll, they'll they will maybe add somebody to the organization in terms of uh, experience in case you know Dubas does get the job and Hunter decides to go elsewhere. But it's right now it's a fluid situation, and I don't think we're any cl- closer to having a final decision made. This is the Leafs conversation. Mike Godjello in Buffalo, New York. Norman James in London, Ontario, collabing for you. Leafs conversation is the result and you know these are the results these reports this sort of the divisive nature of of the news right now regarding the Maple Leafs as a fallout to a seventh game loss to the Boston Bruins who are no longer in the Stanley Cup playoffs hallelujah Um, and I mean it is it's it's frustrating but you know what if if you don't want to talk about these things at this point of the year keep winning Uh, speaking of a, a divisive story this this whole uh, I mean this whole saga that may be just totally dreamt up of mm-hmm. Mike Babcock traveling to Arizona to intervene with Mike or with Austin Matthews and his his uh, maniacal hatred for, for the head coach and Mike Babcock's gonna then travel across the oceans to to f- seek Frederick Anderson who's you know, lost himself in anger over the head coach. I mean, what what the hell do we make of all this stuff? Isn't this perhaps a, a head coach who's doing his due diligence, maybe just to talk to two of his key guys and make sure that everybody's on the same page? And perhaps Mike Babcock has had a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a moment to with himself thinking that maybe maybe there were some lines of communication that got blurred or that were jammed up during this process. And maybe there's a way that I can just go down, uh, go have a meal with the family, Maybe go to have, have a game of golf and just just make sure that everything's peachy keen as, as we get into the offseason here. I mean, I know we're, we're right. dreaming up scenarios here, but it, there's just such a divisive nature to the, the reporting right now. And it seems like Mike Babcock represents this old school, this authoritarian way of thinking. And poor Austin Matthews needs his ego stroked and he, he represents the youth. And, you know, it's, it's he, poor him. Like, what's what's going on, Mike? I, I don't I don't I'm not falling down on a, either either side of this story here. What do you yeah, think? I, I don't, I see, I don't think there is a side. I think, I think, you know, and I may call, call me naive, but I, I think that Matthews and Babcock in the season ending uh, press conference a few days after uh, the, the game seven loss, they said that there wasn't really no divide. They said there was no, you know, I mean, obviously Austin was upset because he wanted to be out there more in game seven. He wanted to win the game and, and, you know, he played 18 minutes. So it wasn't like he was benched or anything like that, but he, he's a, he's a young talented player who wants to take on more responsibility. And, and, you know, Babcock is somebody who, you know, is, I think sometimes limits his players, but it's for, it's for a reason. But in game seven, when you're down a couple goals, then maybe you just throw caution to the wind. There could have been a little bit of bad blood there, but I I think it's sort of been, been overemphasized. And from what I understand, and I, you know, we, we don't know whether Babcock went out to Arizona to talk to Austin Matthews, or if he went out there to, to, to have a family vacation with his wife and kids. We don't know. Uh, in, in terms of going, you know, like he's gone to the world championships the last few years with the Leafs hierarchy. So if he goes over to Copenhagen and, and, and uh, uh, Herning, 
it's gonna it's not gonna be because you know he has to he has to powwow with Freddie Anderson. It's probably because he's scouting players that the Leafs might be interested in signing in the sure. summer. So I I think there's a lot of misconstruing things, and also you know now that the Leafs are out, you have to have something to write about. So that's what I think the motivation is at some point. This is the byproduct of losing in the first round too, um, and, and, it, and it was it was a, it was a sour loss uh, again to Boston, a seventh game. You were up 4-3 going into the third period, even though most fans were pretty white-knuckled about the entire experience, not truly believing it was going to happen, and it didn't happen. But these are the, these are the things that you're right about. I, 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 just, I think we're too, early, we're too early into this process to start pointing fingers at either the coach or the players for being either too petulant or too overbearing. There's still a few more seasons here of a team – coming together and finding its way towards what we hope is as a Stanley cup championship. Uh, Talk to me in about three or four years when uh, Mike Babcock becomes a total prick or, uh, you know, we're getting, we're bumping up against the real uh, moment of, of, of truth for uh, Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or whomever contractually. And and in terms of their, their growth as players and no championships have been won and there have been, you know, repeated stumbles in, in the playoffs. Then we can start pointing fingers at one another, but, I don't think we're there yet. And I will say uh, for, for Mike Babcock, this is a guy who's accomplished a lot. He's done a lot. He is, he's been in the league as a head coach now for what, 15 years. I don't know how many, but it's, it's, he's getting up there. I hope he doesn't turn into a, a crusty Mike Keenan or a John Tortorella after, you know, souring on the Toronto experience following failures. And, and with, with Austin Matthews, I hope he's never painted by, by anyone as a guy who, is a coach killer or he's overly petulant or, or bratty. I, 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 I think we're too early into his career and Mike Babcock's tenure with the Leafs to, to start, uh, you know, painting these people as, uh, you know, with an image that they don't necessarily deserve yet. Mike. I, I think this is, I think all of this is a product of a lot of people who want to see this team win, who thought that they were, closer to being a Stanley cup champion than I, like I ever thought they were. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I predicted Boston. I thought they had the best chance, the better chance of being Boston in the first round than Tampa, but I didn't think that they were as good as either team. They're, they're still a flawed roster. There's still lots of holes. Are they, are, are they much better than the team that we saw a few years ago with Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf leaps and bounds and, they're, sure, and, and, they're, sure. and they're, and they're on the, they're on the upward track, but there, there was, there's still room for improvement here. And just because they had 105 points does not mean that they were Stanley Cup contender. They had teams that had to face in the Atlantic division. The defense was weak. And, uh, you know, they're, I think they're still a little weak up front in terms of certain positions, namely center now, because Bozak is probably gone and so is Placanitz. So this, this is a work in progress. And people yeah. who thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup and got all upset because they, they bowed out in the first round, grow up. Hey, it's all Jake Gardner's fault, remember? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I like Jake Gardner. He's, he's not the most well-rounded defenseman there is, but he, he brings a lot of positives. He just... The Leafs need more support, so there's the there's the case to be made that Jake Gardner is what he is. Let him be what he is on a on a blue line constructed of of multiple pieces with a lot of uh, with a lot of diversity, with a lot of ability to do different things. The other thing is, well, okay, if he's one of your top guys and he's making money and he's going to be coming up into free agency here relatively soon, maybe it's time to 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 figure out a, a different way of going. But that's not up to me. That's up to the brass and 
you know, as soon as uh, Brendan Shanahan can figure out who his general manager is going to be, Kyle Dubas, um, and, and who uh, Kyle Dubas's right-hand man is going to be, Mark Hunter, uh, pay him a lot of money, um, then the, these guys can start sorting out what they want to do in terms of the team on the ice. And don't forget, July 1st is coming about. And it would be really fun, Mike, for you and I to be here on, on uh, June 30th or whatever. I don't know. Does it go 31 days? I don't, I don't know. But to be, to be anticipating a big a big move by the Maple Leafs, a big signing, and then John Tavares is that guy. That would just be a lot of fun. Um, the last thing for you, Brad Marchand, um, he, him and the Boston Bruins are out of the playoffs. The Leafs mm-hmm. weren't able to do it. The Tampa Lightning were, are able to. And Jesus Christ, that team is going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Who knows? Maybe them and the Jets in the Stanley Cup final. Um, they, they did a really nice job. And you know, Brad Marchand, the guy's become a glorified Sean Avery here with his antics on the ice, the licking and stuff. It's just... Yeah. It, it's it's okay, Brad. You know we like we like that you're an agitator. You you do walk the line, but this, like, not only do these players have to risk run the risk of getting a staff infection when when <laughs> they get into this when they get into that setting. Now you're you're licking them, and and, and it's just disgusting and it's stupid. And again, you, do you do you want to be? I mean, name name an agitator who who lived off that characteristic plus point production who's in the uh, Hall of Fame. Do you want to be that player, or do you want to be Sean Avery, do you want to be in Hollywood, you know, trying to uh, audition for B movies, Brad? Because, I mean, that's just it's just pathetic. You know, last last word to you, Mike. We got to go. Well, I, I, I really blame the NHL in this instance, because after the incident with Komarov during the Leaf series, there was there was reporting and good reporting that said that the NHL talked to the Bruins. And obviously they didn't. Or it never got the message never got to Brad Marchand because he continued to do that with his disgusting display. And you know, okay, it's not like he not like he uh, needs somebody in the groin or, or but he's 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 cross checking. Look at the video. I think I retweeted a couple days ago of him cross checking and sticking his stick under the visor of Alice Kalorn during one of the games. The licking thing is it was a distraction, was a, a way of getting underneath the skin of yeah. Tampa Bay, and it didn't work. And his other <laughs> tactics didn't work. And then the thing is, is that, you know, Tampa was a deeper, more talented, more experienced team and pushed back against the Bruins. And that's why they won. And Brad Marchand and his antics couldn't do anything to stop it. Mike, we know we don't like the fist of cuffs anymore, right? But the league is clearly living off of the Brad Marchand sideshow. He's sideshow Bob point three, right? Darcy Tucker was yeah. the original sideshow Bob, but. Darcy Tucker would have knocked the shit out of, out of Brad Marchand. You know, like he, he's a, he's a, I mean, he put Zidane Chara on, on his ass. I mean, that guy, you know, say what you will about Tucker. Some people didn't like him, but my point is with Marchand, a guy like that, and I know it's the playoffs, a guy like that needs his ass kicked for, for this kind of stuff. I mean, if you got, if you were licked by him and he, you was sticking his stick up under your visor and doing this kind of stuff and the league just seemed to, you know, get his penalty, but there was nothing going on. Wouldn't you want somebody to beat his ass? I mean, it sounds really barbaric, and it sounds Neanderthal. It sounds like it's just, well, you don't, you don't want to resort to fisticuffs. But after a while, the guy's show is just, he's going to do something to somebody to hurt him really, really badly. And the fact, if I got licked by him, I'd want to punch his face in. Wouldn't yeah. you? Wouldn't you? Yeah, no. uh, I, well, I mean, let's just say in the past, Anybody would would drop the gloves and beat the try to beat the crap out of them, in the in the in the realm now of the NHL where nobody does that anymore. I would be I wouldn't be surprised if somebody took a baseball swing at him, if, if somebody with with, yeah. with with a stick. 
And that's, that's the thing. The league has gotten away from settling things, you know, in, in the manner that they used to. And people thought that that was barbaric, but honestly, this this kind of sideshow stuff. And I, I believe me, Darcy Tucker and, and Brad Marchand, maybe there were similarities in terms of them being antagonists and, and, and sort of getting underneath the skin. One player stood up for himself. The other one doesn't. Oh, yeah. Tucker, say what you want about that guy, man. That guy was a guy had a heart of gold, man. And he had nerves of steel and that, you know, let's one day we'll, we'll, we'll reflect on those teams, Mike. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Plus, I'm really excited, uh, Mike. I haven't laid this on you yet, but you and I are going to do a, a long episode of the Leafs combo, just talking about the Leafs talk days and, and how much fun that was to engage with the legend Andy Frost after sure. wins and losses. It was just, and we can revisit the Nigel Cadbury moment. Remember, remember <laughs> that. That was just beautiful. Listen, I gotta uh, go. Yeah. I gotta go water the grass again, man. My wife put down fertilizer, and if I don't get that grass watered, it's going to burn the grass and. It's my ass. Got to go, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Norman. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out the Anchor page. Go listen there. Then listen again on iTunes. And then you can do the same thing on Google Play. Come back to the YouTube page. Like and subscribe to it and leave a comment while you're there. There's so much Leafs conversation to be had in the days, weeks, and months ahead. We're in for it. Are you? Tell your friends. For Mike Augello, I'm Norman James. This is the Leafs Convo. Talk to you next time.